Live and local, this is The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Open for the end zone. It's a Saints touchdown. It's time for two hours of the best sports talk on the airwaves. Here's your host, the Blonde Bomber, Jordy Holtberg. Good afternoon and welcome on a middle of the week hump day, Wednesday, November 9th, the year 2022. Hard to believe 20 years ago, one of the most incredible, significant plays in LSU athletic history took place. Uh, We'll relive it. We've got basketball. We've got football recruiting. We've got college football. We've got everything under the sun coming your way today as my main man, James Mesh, in the producer's chair, in the game studio, spinning the tunes, pushing all the buttons. He's on the campus of Delta Media, which houses KLWB, which is 1037 Lafayette. We're also on 1041 in Lake Charles. We're streaming around the world, 1037thegame.com. 1041thegame.com. And if you're in the Acadiana area and you have a television set, pop it on because we're simulcast on Stadium 32.3 and 133 on LUS Fiber. Did you miss the headlines of the day? Not to worry. The Blonde Bomber has you covered. Here is Holtberg's headlines. Well, we were just kind of wondering... what would happen with the second playoff poll of 2022? Um, they had plenty of questions about Tennessee after the Georgia loss, whether TCU would finally get some love and how high would LSU climb after the stunning win in overtime over Alabama in Death Valley? Well, we had some <coughs> had some movement. Georgia is at number one, thanks to their convincing win over Tennessee, Ohio State number two, Michigan number three, TCU comes in at number four, all four undefeated, Tennessee the top one loss team at number five, Oregon at number six, LSU comes in at number seven, followed by USC at eight, Alabama at nine, Clemson at ten, Shout out to the Tulane Green Wave who moved up to number 17 and they have the biggest game that they've played in years. This Saturday is UCF comes to New Orleans. UCF ranked number 22, trying to become that top group of five team. So um, there you have it. TCU's got Texas this week in Austin. Alabama's got to go to Ole Miss. Ole Miss came in at number 11. So, Tennessee's okay. If I'm the Big Ten, just my thoughts. If I'm the Big Ten, for instance, Oregon lost the opening game of the season to Georgia and lost convincingly, but they've had time to build up their resume. And they're at number six. If I'm the Big Ten, I I sit down with Ohio State and Michigan, and I tell them, uh, dudes, we're going to play this game in the beginning of the Big Ten season because you're our two best teams. The only way for us to get two teams in this thing is somebody's going to have to lose 
you can build back your resume. But Ohio State-Michigan play the last weekend. One's going to stay in. One's going to fall out. That's just the way it is. So I would uh, I would sit down and have a little talk uh, with them, uh, to be honest with you. LSU, um, look, has the all-important win over Alabama. It also gets the benefit of the doubt because it stomped number 11-ranked Ole Miss. Two pretty darn good wins. Of course, any LSU playoff discussion is met with the caveat that it's got to take down Georgia in Atlanta in a few weeks. And that is after playing and beating Arkansas in Fayetteville and playing and beating Texas A&M in College Station. Easier said than done. But if they do, they get to Atlanta, then they play Georgia. And here's what comes to mind on this thing. Um, LSU if they beat Georgia, they'd have the best win of anybody. And I think that would matter a lot. But there is the debate with the selection committee taking an 11-2 LSU team over an 11-1 Tennessee team that blew the doors off of LSU in Baton Rouge. That's where all this comes into play. Still a lot of football to be played. Uh, Tennessee has the easiest of schedules, and they are in a great position. All they got to do is win. Somebody's going to lose between Ohio State and Michigan, and then they would love, everybody in the SEC would would love, believe it or not, pulling for Texas this weekend to beat TCU because the SEC wants to get two teams in there, and their best chance, Georgia and Tennessee. Alabama's out of the running. I think they're out of the running, Uh, but LSU is in position to cause some chaos, which no one in their right mind could have imagined just a short month ago. No question. Um, Some other thoughts. Um, Most overrated team, I think, is USC. They've got no wins versus college football playoff top 25 teams. They've got Two wins versus Power 5 teams with a winning record. Uh, Best win of a three-loss Oregon State team. And an average margin versus Power 5 teams of plus 8.9. Hadn't played anybody yet. Notre Dame is the regular season finale. Um, There's no way USC is worthy of being uh, ahead of four one-loss Power 5 teams. They're not. They're just not. So, again, still early. But I think Alabama is, I don't see any way, unless LSU loses, Bama beats Ole Miss, and LSU loses a couple, uh, then, then you go from there. But that's their only chance. And Clemson's done. Done, done. So um, an interesting night, to say the very, very least. Um, Our show today, um, it's the Matt McMahon, game one of year one. And I'm curious to see how everything unfolds. I think this will be a team. uh, Now, look, they are, they're, they're, (laughs) it's a cupcake game, of course. They play, who did they play? University of Missouri, Kansas City. LSU's favored by 22 and a half. So this is a glorified scrimmage um, in reality. 
Uh, but you never know in college basketball, right? Some teams start shooting the lights out and you can't throw it in the ocean. Then, then you got issues. No question. Uh, but the big picture is I think this is a team that will be will get incrementally better as the year goes on. It just takes some time. Uh, the former LSU coach, he's now the color commentator on the LSU Sports Radio Network. John Brady will join us here in just a few minutes. And we'll talk about this basketball team. There's always fallout from a um, from a big win. And the fallout from LSU's win over Alabama um, could be seen as early as um, very, very soon with the signing class of 2023. More importantly, with those recruits that were intended, uh, in attendance for the class of 2024 and 2025. Uh, Mike Scarborough of TigerBait.com talks to recruits on a daily basis, and uh, he'll share his thoughts uh, on that. And then to close out our number one, we'll take you back in time to 20 years ago today. I was on the sideline. I saw the, the head coach of the Kentucky Wildcats get doused with Gatorade because Kentucky – was going to upset 16th ranked and the defending SEC champion LSU Tigers under Nick Saban. But you got to play a full 60 minutes. And with two seconds to go, the miracle of miracles in college football took place for LSU. We'll relive that. In our number two, we're one day away from a, from a big game for the raging Cajuns as Georgia Southern comes to town. Cajuns favored. They, it opened up as they opened up as five and a half point favorites. It's down to three and a half. We'll talk to somebody that covers Josh Aubrey, who covers uh, Georgia Southern, and get kind of a behind the enemy lines uh, for this Thursday night ball game. And then our good friend Mike Huguenin will join us. Hump day with Huguenin as we talk all things college football. Now, um, have you? I'm talking to small business owners out there. Have you ever thought about airing TV or radio commercials? Then today is an opportunity for you as Delta Media is having a one-day sale event. It's designed for local mom-and-pop business owners to buy advertising at a discounted rate. And this is not for Walmarts of the world. This is for you, the local business owner you can get 30 second spots for both radio and tv it's affordable advertising but you got to book it today and today only so right now call delta media sales director and what a nice lady Jeanette cochran take this number down i'm going to say it a couple of times 337-896-2692 that's 337-896-2692 Two six nine two. Take advantage of our Delta Media one day sale. TV radio. It's a great way to get your message out at affordable rates. It really is. Take advantage. Call Jeanette Cochran today. 337 896 2692. Again, 337 896 2692. And I'll read your ad for you and I'll make it live. I'll make it sing, baby. All right, we'll take a quick timeout. Game one, year one of Matt McMahon and the LSU Basketball Tigers. John Brady joins us here on the Jordy Helper Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. 
Tune in every weekday at 8.15 a.m. and 3.15 p.m. for the LSU Sports Update, presented by Tibbs Trailers here on The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. The road to the Final Four, believe it or not, begins today as college basketball returns to LSU. Game one of year one of new coach Matt McMahon as they open up tip-off 7 o'clock against University of Missouri, Kansas City. He had to put the golf clubs up, but he's probably like Michael Jordan. He probably went and played a quick 18 this morning with the weather as it is, and he's going to put that in the back of the car and put the headset on the former coach of the Tigers, and now the, does an outstanding job as the color analyst on the LSU Sports Radio Network. Big John Brady joining us. Man, it's been a while, big guy. How are you? Oh, I'm doing well. I mean, but you're right. I had to put the golf clubs in the trunk of my car at least till tomorrow. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> welcome to, uh, welcome to uh, November in the South. It's 80 degrees. You can go play a nice round somewhere. Um Okay, it's a pet peeve. I know you coached before, and you. This is the. How do I say this? I just got to come say this is the worst start of a college basketball. Some of these games, you win. Teams are winning by eighty points, seventy points. It's got to be because the transfer portal and coaches aren't really sure what they have. Is that correct? I think there's something to do with that, and plus, it's hard to predict. what teams are going to be good because I think I think on average in the SEC there are seven new players on every team. There are ten wow. on the wow. LSU team. So wow. it's hard to predict who's going to finish yeah. where because a lot of these players have never played together and you're, you're going on hearsay, reputation. So, Jordy, it's just hard to figure out who's going right. to be good. That's why I've always thought the way college basketball is now the coach who can put together uh, a team that, that understands how to play, has some camaraderie, uh, gets along with one another, defines roles, the quicker he can do that, the more successful he's going to be. And Some teams it's going to take longer. Some it may not take as long. Uh, but I think as it concerns LSU, I think 10 new players, regardless of what you think they may be, uh, they haven't know. really played together yet, and, and right. particularly Adam, you know, Miller, the transfer from Illinois. I, I want people to be patient with him. You got to understand he hadn't played basketball in exactly. over a year, almost yep. a year and a half, and everybody, his reputation has just gotten way out of hand. If he's not Pete Maravich the first night, <laughs> I'm just afraid people are going to criticize the guy. So let's just wait and see, and let this team develop, and see how it goes through the course of the. The first eight or ten games, because when we start SEC play, Jordy, ooh, we we, we we hit we hit the best teams right off the bat. No question about it. John Brady with us. Um, I, you you've I've I've met Matt. I've talked to him a couple of times. You certainly know him much more than I do. I've never seen a situation where a coach comes in and has. I mean, here here's the coach. Here's the key to the gym. Um, that's all you got. G- good got luck. No players. <laughs> got no players, got no coaches, got nothing. I equated it a little bit, you know, when, when when we took over back in whenever it was, 97 or so, 96, 97, whatever it was, you know, after, after I had a team meeting, I only had four players stay. 
and and we had to build it, but we had to build it through the draft, so to speak. And yeah. and nowadays you can just build it right away. And and the problem is sometimes you haven't seen some of these guys play, and you're going on reputation. Yeah. And they may be better than you think, and some of them may not be as good as you think once you get them. So mm-hmm. I think that's one of the things about the portal uh, that you need to really research these guys. And, you know, Matt and them came in here and did a great job of putting together a team, but realistically how good they're going to be, I don't even think the coaching staff knows just yeah. yet. I'm with you. Uh, what's going to be – You've seen them practice. Um, mm-hmm. Tell me about Matt. Matt, what are your impressions? His practices are very well organized. Uh, he does most of the talking and most of the coaching. His assistants do things when they break out on the side goals, but when that thing goes full court, he's the only voice you hear in the gym, which I, I kind of like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's going to be different than Will in his approach to offense, and, and Here's the thing. I'm not making a comparison. I'm just saying it's different. And, and, you know, every coach has his way about how he approaches offense and defense. You know, this this guy, Coach McMahon, is a little more structured offensively, a little more ball movement and player movement, where Will was just kind of let good players play and spread the floor and let them Mm -hmm. create plays on their own different philosophy neither is wrong we'll see if he has as much success with his way as will did with his way and then defensively uh, this guy really puts a premium on guarding and and, and rebounding the ball and i've seen some really that sounds like wait wait that sounds like somebody i that sounds like somebody i know (laughs) well i I did a. and i'm not talking dale brown i'm talking you yeah, I know. I was doing I was doing two bits and four bits on the sideline when I saw a couple of defensive drills I like. So, uh, but I think defensive this team's going to really try to play hard and, and really defend and rebound. You know, Jordy Will's teams averaged eighty three or eighty four points a game in his four years here, and they were really good offensively. On the other end, sometimes they weren't as good. They gave up like seventy eight. Uh, so I think there's going to be – this team may not score as well as, as, as Coach Wade's teams did, uh, but I think on the other end they, they, they may try to defend it because more premium has been put on guarding uh, than maybe in the past. John Brady with us. A lot of people out there say, okay, well, um, we're relying on a lot of kids that go went to Murray State. Murray State's not playing in the SEC, but you can find good players anywhere. How good is K.J. Williams? I think he's going to be really good. You know, the thing about him, I think he's preseason second team all league and hasn't bounced the ball in the SEC yet. So that's another (laughs) indication that that they're choosing players on reputation and maybe not on production. So I think we'll have to wait and see. But I think think for, for Coach McMahon's standpoint, he has three players from Murray that give him a comfort level about how he does things, and they can translate and pass that on to the other players. Mm-hmm. And I think that was important for him to get his 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 culture, his way of doing things uh, into the team. And, and three of his players who have been with him are part of that. So I think the transition of all of that will make it more comfortable for him and, and better for the new players. They tip it off tonight against Missouri, Kansas City. Um, you ever play against Missouri, Kansas City? I, I don't. I was thinking about that. I, I don't think I ever faced those guys. Uh, no, I don't. 
And no, then the I places didn't. off coast, I don't think I ever played them. Of course, they got uh, they got Arkansas State, another one of your familiarity places, coming up Saturday. So that'll be interesting for you, I'm sure. A quest, curious question, maybe a stupid yes. question, but Will Wade, what's he up to these days? Uh, I, I think he was going to try to get on an NBA team, and I don't think it worked out. I think he's got a side business or something that he's doing with a couple of former players that okay. played for him. Uh, but I don't Good. think it, this particular year he's going to be involved in basketball, from what I understand. Um, yeah, okay. he was in he was in Baton Rouge last week uh, and visited some people, and and uh, I didn't get to see him because I was out of town. But uh, right, he came in for a funeral, and and okay. uh, but I don't think he's involved with basketball this year. And so I think really, Jordan's they're waiting on he's waiting on the NCAA's final. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, decision on what they're going to do with LSU and Will Wade. Uh, they, they haven't thought, really made a final determination yet of right. which direction they're going. Sounded like Louisville. Louisville had a lot more egregious things going on, and they they got hardly anything. So I'm keeping my fingers and toes crossed on that. Yeah, I, I, you know they'll, they'll either they're one or two ways they'll. they'll come down on the LSU program, which I don't think they do that as much anymore mm-hmm. as they do come down on the former coach. And, and uh, you know, there's anything from uh, – I, I doubt if they'll have any kind of postseason ban, but from scholarship limitations back to the coach having a show cause for two yeah. or three years, any of those things in between are probably on the table. I got you. All right. Uh, it's the beginning. Um have a great call. LSU's favored by 22 and a half. I'm just saying. You know, I'm just saying. Let's, wow. I, I didn't yeah. see that line. Wow. Yeah. I think that's a big number. 22 and a half, big boy. So, um, anyway, for whatever that's worth, I don't make investments. But um, I'm ready for the good games to come. But, but we'll see. It's, it's, uh, it's an unusual situation where a coach comes in, has no players. He got a couple of Tigers to come back. He, he mm-hmm. went from his old team and got some players to come in. He did it through recruiting, and we'll see. you gotta, you got to put all the pieces of the puzzle together and get them to like one another, play together, and all like you mentioned. And that's uh, easier said than done. Yeah, and I think it's going to be fun to watch. LSU fans ought to be anticipating watching this team with 10 new players, only three coming back, see how they develop, uh, see how they improve over the course of the year. Uh, and hopefully the first 10 games, we can get about eight of those, seven or eight of those, to create a winning attitude getting into the SEC because those first six or seven games for LSU and the SEC play are really yeah. going to be challenging. Yeah. All right, John, thank you so much for your time. We'll do it again. Hoops is here. Thank goodness. Um, Anytime. And, uh, Give me a buzz. You, all right, you got it, brother. Thank you, John Brady. Okay. Uh, all on right. the call tonight, Tigers versus – I don't even know what UM – KC's nickname is. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. All right, we'll take a quick timeout um, here. But first, um, your Alexa or Google home speaker helps out around the house. It allows you to control your lights, your thermostats, and so much more. But did you know it can also play the game? Just ask your Alexa or Google home to play the game. Southwest Louisiana. It's that easy. So do the smart thing and have the game. 103 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles with you at your office your home, everywhere you go. Fallout, Tigers win over Bama. A lot of recruits in the house. We'll find out what they're thinking. 
from Mike Scarborough of TigerBait.com when we return here on the Jordy Heldberg Show. They say shooters shoot. He's a man who shoots from the hip and a man who's hip when he shoots. And no one shoots more from the hip when it comes to sports talk than the Blonde Bomber. Back to more of the Jordy Holtberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. With Eon of Lafayette, Baton Rouge, and Mandeville, you can get a three-segment abdomen treatment in 60 minutes, resulting in a 21 to 25% fat reduction with no downtime, with zero post-care. You can have your body contouring treatment during your lunch break and be back in an hour to take on the world. That's Eon of Lafayette, Eon of Baton Rouge, and Eon of Mandeville. He's been to all those spots. He's everywhere from tigerbait.com, the boss, Mr. Mike Scarborough with us to talk about some of the, the fallout from LSU's big win over Bama. Good afternoon, Mr. Scarborough. How are you? I'm doing good. It's uh it's been a crazy week. It's um I was just uh from a business perspective and I think every media outlet uh is can tell similar stories. I'm sure you've got more listeners, but it's same week last year, looking at page views, sites that stats, there's a four hundred and fifteen percent increase from the same week Alabama week last year. <laughs> when LSU football's good, everything else seems to be good. I, I know exactly what you mean, big fella. I do. Uh, lots of recruits in the building. I'm sure you had a chance to talk to some of them since. Um, man, if you with that atmosphere and that ball game, my gosh. I mean, you can't lose. You know, I put together a Recruits React feature, and I'm actually still adding to it. It's been on our front page for three days. Uh, <laughs> it went up Sunday midday. And there's been a few of the comments from some of the recruits that I had to go back and say, did I already put this in the story? Because they all are very similar. Uh, the recruits are all saying similar things. Um, you know, LSU is now in my, uh, at the top of my list or, 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 or in my top whatever. Uh, the the atmosphere was great. Of course, a lot of them are texting their 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 quotes to me, and uh, they're all using exclamation points. And usually, I'll take those out, but I'll have them in this week. And um, it, it's um, it, 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 everything lined up for the coaching staff. You had perfect weather. Yeah. Um, you had uh, you know, a night game, and and not only that was it. It was a game that was fantastic from beginning to end. There was really. Despite yeah. having a seven to six halftime score, there was really no lull in the game, and and um, you know that's why most people thought that nine to six game in 2011 was a great football game, even though nobody scored in double digits. Absolutely, um, I said it earlier. I've been in that building for a whole lot of football games ever since I was a kid. And uh, that one ranks right up there at the tippity top of, of the of the list, along with with a couple of others. But um, well, yeah, I, I think were you doing sideline back in two thousand? Yes. I tell people that I, that I recall those ten, that Tennessee win at the week after beating UAB. You know, everybody just brings up ninety seven, and they go straight to the Tebow uh, game in two thousand seven, but. 
I say that there was two games in the year 2000 that were pretty epic as far as uh, Tennessee and Mississippi State were, were unbelievable atmosphere games. Um, but I, I, I do think this Alabama game, though, with everything that goes with it, hadn't beaten Alabama yeah. at home since 2010. All the recruits there, Brian Kelly's first year, uh, walked in the door and only had 39 scholarship players. Just all the little factors that go into it uh, probably put this one at the top of the list, even though Florida was number one back in 97. Um, Because the fact of the matter is Alabama, and there's no bigger number one as far as who LSU fans want to beat than them. That's right. That's right. It just it was the perfect setting and the perfect and the perfect finish and all that stuff. Um, um, since turning the tide on Saturday, LSU has already added two more commitments: another offensive lineman in the class of twenty twenty four from John Errett, and then they flipped from UL Lafayette to LSU a defensive end from um, I think Sanama, Dylan Carpenter. Tell me about Dylan Carpenter. Yeah, uh, I've been keeping in touch with Dylan throughout the football season and really in the last month. And um, he's he put together an incredible football season. And I started getting little uh, feelers out that LSU had been making a lot of calls and was really moving him up their board. And so, uh, you know, I'm looking at uh, their schedule. I'm not sure if they were going to get in the playoffs. So I went Friday night to film him and interview him. And he said, yeah, I'm going tomorrow, and I'm supposed to meet with Brian Kelly in the pregame. And usually uh, when you got that many recruits on campus, but you're going to meet with the head coach, that means an offer's coming. Sure enough, uh, the offer came. And then uh, Sunday, kid reaches out to me and says, uh, I'm ready to announce my commitment. And so we broke it out. We broke the news uh, Sunday early evening. And okay. uh, you're talking about 6'3 and a half, 6'4", 240. And um, he's a very, very good football player. And a gym rat, and, you know, is he a kid that can maybe get to 255, 260, is an edge rusher. Like, you follow this recruiting stuff. It is amazing to me that LSU is depending upon, and they are delivering four freshmen. You got the two bookend tackles on the offensive line. You got a tight end who has just gotten better and better and better. And then you have that uh, that phenom on the defensive side who came in with all the bells and whistles, and he's living up to it. Of those four, which one has surprised you the most with his production? I think Harold Perkins. Really? Um, everybody I talk to in Texas that uh, I really trust when it comes to following recruiting, in fact, one of them probably saw Harold Perkins play at least once a month uh, 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 the last two years of his high school career. And just about everybody I talked to in Texas thought that he needed a red shirt, that he was very raw, Um, even going as far as saying he was probably a better running back than a linebacker. Um, You know, but he needed to learn the position. And and so to see what he's doing, just raw ability, and I think that's partly why, you know, for weeks it's been, you know, they need to get him out on the field more. Well, it's part of the reason why he he wasn't out there as many downs is because he was so raw. And, Mm -hmm. and, and, getting him lined up right and where he needs to be and and, and making it so that uh, uh, there were many more down and distances and situations where you could keep him out there because he, he knew 
uh, you know, what Madhouse wanted him to do. And um, But then you say that, and Mason Taylor has the game he had. We know what Will <laughs> Campbell's been doing all season long. And Emory Jones, it's, you know, so th- that, those are four All SEC freshman team uh, members when that when that no when that team rolls when that rolls out next month. I think I think Emory Jones has surprised me the most because he wasn't there for spring practice. He you know he did the old fashioned way. He went to his his senior prom. He graduated like all the other kids do, and then he comes comes to school. I, I'm kind of surprised by him, but what 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 it means to me, uh, Mike is. That tight end is a classic example. I mean, look how much better he is now than when it was the start of the year. So so that tells me these coaches are coaching them up, getting them better, developing them, building up their confidence. And now with the biggest game on the line, who do you call? Whose number do you call? That kid. That says a lot to me. You know what, uh, Jordy? There's something else that nobody's really talking about. Can you name uh, – look, it, the Tennessee game was what it was. But yeah. can you name a fourth quarter this season where you thought the other team had more gas in the tank than LSU did? No, you're right. That that conditioning group it, it deserves a lot of credit, no doubt. Yeah. And so – Conditioning group. And then you're the, talking about you, – The uh, chefs. DK talks about how – I didn't realize that it, Mason had put on – has already put on 20 pounds since he got to LSU. And so that, that, you know, that's the other between strength and conditioning and having that nutrition center, No, you doubt. know, it, it's, it's funny when I go for player interviews and, you know, you park across the street and you're watching all the athletes for all the sports parking that lot and then walk across the street to eat dinner. Yep. Um, that nutrition center and that cafeteria, whatever you want to call it is, is huge for all sports. And when they've no got doubt. nutritionists and getting each individual kid, uh, athlete uh, dialed into whether they need to lose weight, cut carbs. Uh, they, they've got them all dialed in. And so um, it's amazing how rapid the kids who need to put on muscle put it on. And you can only do that we, with food. Yeah. I wonder if we could pay the um, that cafeteria to um, put us on the list. And I could tell well, them, look, yeah, I want to lose I about- laughed, uh, well, well, doggone it. What, what's uh, the little the, – the, the girl who does uh, baseball SID, the blonde. Um, she was sitting no there idea. one day uh, at the desk, and I said, because uh, I, I was told that they can eat for $11, uh, any of the staffers. Uh, what, for $11, I'll eat Chick-fil-A. I say, you can't eat like that at Chick-fil-A. They're in their <laughs> carbon roast beef. They got shrimp, salads. Uh, That's right. Put, put me on there. Uh, Let I me lose told, about five they got pounds. They lobster being flown in over there. Yeah, I'll pay for it. I'll pay to lose a couple of pounds here and there. All right, so um, we should see the the ramifications of this win. And if they keep on keeping on and they get to that SEC championship game, golly, I mean, wow, what 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 a quick turnaround this is. It's kind of kind of remarkable, but we shall see. A lot of ifs there, but we shall see. Mike Scarborough with the best at tigerbait.com. He's always got deals going up, he's always got info. You do a great job, buddy. Thank you so much for your time. All right, George. Thanks for having me. Talk soon. Uh, you got it, man. Mike Scarborough, tigerbait.com. Um, let's see here. Looking for great stocking stuffers for holiday season? Well, look no further than the Game Clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. As a member of our rewards club, you'll have the opportunity to score excellent prizes like a $150 gift certificate to Mr. Lester's Steakhouse 
at Cypress Bayou or a $50 gift certificate to the Half Shell Oyster House or a $25 gift certificate to Mabel's Kitchen. But you can only score these great stocking stuffers by becoming a member of the Game Clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. It's free, it's simple, so go sign up today. 20 years ago today, we'll relive it next. Every day is a Chamber of Commerce kind of day when you're listening to The Jordy Holberg Show. This is the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros in Southwest Louisiana. Be sure to tune in tonight from 6 to 7 for the McNeese Coaches Show presented by Maplewood Burgers, line a bit out of Westlake and the Southwest Louisiana Law Center. Our buddy Jim Gazzolo will be talking all things Cowboys. Big win last Saturday, so, and he says... They can win the, the next two conference games. So let's roll, right? Um, it's the McNeese, McNeese Coaches Show broadcasting from the Maplewood Burgers at 4453 Nelson Road. Tune in tonight at 6 for the McNeese Coaches Show right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. We talked about how great the Alabama game was, the environment, the setting, everything in Tiger Stadium was just picture picture perfect but on this day november 9th the year 2002 lsu was involved in another incredible performance this time away from tiger stadium this was at commonwealth stadium in lexington kentucky how times have changed lsu faced alabama with nick saban last saturday back in 2002 on november 9th nick saban was coaching the LSU Tigers, they were the defending SEC champions, and they were the favorite against the underdog Kentucky Wildcats. We will relive the moment from the SEC's version of what is now known as the Bluegrass Miracle. November 9th, 2002, Kentucky underdogs and playing host to the defending SEC champs, the LSU Tigers. A packed Commonwealth Stadium is ready to explode as fans watch the Wildcats mount a fourth-quarter comeback capped off by a 29-yard Taylor Bakery field goal to put Kentucky up 30-27 with 11 seconds left. The fans, they went wild. The players, sensing victory, doused head coach Guy Morris with a traditional Gatorade bath. But what happened next would go down in SEC lore. The Tigers facing 91 yards for the win where he'd pick up 17, LSU quarterback Marcus Randall hit Michael Clayton for a quick first down and timeout. Then, with two seconds left on the clock, Nick Saban's Tigers called one last play. Dash right, 93 Berlin. Now commonly known as the Bluegrass Miracle. Devery Henderson somehow ended up with Marcus Randall's heave and found pay dirt 74 yards later for one of the most memorable and unlikely Hail Marys of all time, lifting LSU over Kentucky. Fans not realizing the Tigers had scored stormed the field and tried to tear down the goalposts, but Kentucky had lost 33-30 as a result of the Bluegrass Miracle. I was there. Um, you talk about... <laughs> Flipping the switch from like, oh, my gosh, how did this happen? You're leading by so much with so little time left. But give Kentucky some credit. They did what they had to do. And then uh, 
golly sakes alive. You, sometimes you just got to get lucky. And that's why they say knock it down, knock it down, knock it down. Well, Kentucky knocked it up, knocked it up, knocked it up. And Devery Henderson caught it. He avoided a shoestring tackle and uh, marched in. God bless my buddy Jim Hawthorne. He thought it was Jack Hunt. He thought it was number eight, uh, Jack Hunt, um, which they have deleted that sound. And they inserted Jim another day calling it Devery Henderson. But that's another story for another day. Um, And I can remember so vividly seeing Kentucky students. They've never had a chance to tear down goalposts, ever. That's a... I don't care what Mark Stoops says. That's a basketball school. Completely. Without question, without doubt. Always has, always will be. That's just like LSU's a football school. I don't care how good. And, and when I played, we were really, really, really good. There's no reason why they can't coexist. But from a fan base perspective, it's, it's football. It's a big event. Basketball is a huge event in Kentucky. Uh, but I remember them on the goalposts. And... They were so excited and so they didn't even see that Kentucky lost. They were still trying to tear the goalpost down and LSU had won. And uh, I remember talking to Nick Saban and he was, he was furious at first. He was furious in the locker room. He was embarrassed. He said, there's no way we should lose to that team. It took a miracle for us to beat them. That's awful. That's awful. Um, golly. Now, the funny part of the thing is whenever you do a Hail Mary, you you try and throw it into the end zone. You catch a bobble, and there you go. But Marcus Randall couldn't throw it that far. It was uh, the big play was the the play before the uh, Hail Mary, the, the completion to Michael Clayton. That was the biggest play. It got them a little bit further because they started on their own nine-yard line. So on the first play, they got the ball out to their 26 on a completion from Randall to Clayton. So if that thing's incomplete, there is no blue cla- black, black, bluegrass miracle. There is no. So from the 26, he threw it as far as he possibly could. Um, and luckily, through a miracle from heaven above, dash right, 93 Berlin walk, Devery Henderson worked. Devery Henderson got behind all the defenders. They popped it up. It went over the hands of Michael Clayton. Um, There were three Kentucky Wildcats around him. They bobbled it up, and Devery caught it and avoided one tackle and skirted into the end zone. The most incredible, ridiculous play ever, and hard to believe that was 20 years ago today. That was Guy Morris's claim to fame. He got doused by Gatorade. And uh, prematurely, prematurely, wow, unbelievable. The um, blue grass miracle. Um, The Advocate, the Baton Rouge Daily Newspaper, in the headline uh, read, Hail Tigers, uh, in reference to the Hail Mary Pass. It took a while to come up. I don't know who exactly came up with. uh, I don't know. It was a poll of LSU fans conducted on the LSU Sports website days later. Um, They had suggestions like the bluegrass bomb, miracle on the bluegrass, divine deflection, it works every time, the Lexington long shot, and it settled. Those are all really clever. I mean, the the divine deflection, it works every time. That's pretty cool stuff. 
Uh, but the Bluegrass Miracle was the um, was the winner, and so it is now permanently known as that, the Bluegrass Miracle. Pretty clever stuff. 20 years ago today. And what a miraculous story um, this LSU season is becoming. Lots of uh, landmines still to avoid, but they are certainly in the position because they're better than Arkansas. They are better than Texas A&M if they play. If they show up and play, we will see. Um, Our number one's coming to a close. Coming up, our number two, UL faces Georgia Southern. We'll get to know them uh, with Josh Aubrey and then Mike Huguenin from On3.com. We'll talk about what was and what will be this weekend. And what about the Tigers? Will they? Would the Tigers, if they beat Georgia in the SEC, if they get to the SEC championship game, beat Georgia, have two losses, Tennessee's got one loss, and they blew LSU out of the water. What does the committee think about that? We'll discuss it. The Jordy Helpert Show. On the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. Live and local, this is the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Open for the end zone. It's a Saints touchdown. It's time for two hours of the best sports talk on the airwaves. Here's your host, the Blonde Bomber, Jordy Holtberg. It's our number two of two, and away we go on this beautiful Wednesday, November 9th, the year 2022. We talked um, LSU basketball season opener with John Brady. We talked about the fallout from a recruiting perspective of LSU's win over Alabama that puts them at number seven in the college football playoff second poll of the year uh, with lots of games left to be played. But there's a game coming up tomorrow as the Georgia Southern Eagles come to Cajun Field for a uh, Sunbelt Conference game, which has been elevated, was going to be on ESPNU. It's now going to be on ESPN2 with a uh, 6.33 kickoff from Cajun Field. Um, and we begin our number two with uh, our good friend. He's been been very kind to join us throughout the course of, of these seasons. Uh, he is the sports journalist, sports writer at the Statesboro Herald, which means he covers Georgia Southern, Josh Aubrey. Josh is joining us today, and we appreciate that to preview this ballgame. Josh, good afternoon, sir. How are you? I'm doing great, buddy. How are you? I'm terrific. So the Eagles five and four overall, two and three in the Sunbelt Conference. One thing stands out to me, and I can read between the tea leaves. Clay Helton's the coach, but this is the the leading scoring team in the Sunbelt Conference, averaging 36 points per game. Tell me about this offense. Well, you know, Clay Helton came in and you know, from USC. Um where he had been for quite a while as an assistant and then as the uh, head coach before being let go last year. They brought him in in November. He had right. some time to kind of evaluate where he, what he had, which I think was a great uh, job by athletic director Jared Benko so that he could kind of you know, get a feel, get his feet wet, get some uh, recruiting on the ground, 
and start to build his squad. And he brought in with him Brian Ellis, who was at Western Kentucky and Western Kentucky with quarterback Bailey Zappi, who's now with the New England Patriots, led the nation in scoring and passing last mm-hmm. year. And, you know, it's, it's hard to believe what they've been able to do in such a quick time. I think a lot of people thought there would be some growing pains and it would take a few years before they were able to make a real impact when they took over a team known for running some form of the option. Right. And uh, they've really done a great job, brought in a transfer quarterback, Kyle Van Trees from Buffalo, and he's done a great job with them, helping to lead their passing attack. They uh, brought in one receiver uh, from Houston, Jamel Singleton, but the other guys they had were usually blocking receivers, and they've been quite pleasantly surprised by how they've done uh, catching the ball. And the offensive line that was brought in to block for a run-based offense has done a great job blocking. I think they're among the top two or three schools in the nation as far as not allowing sacks. So uh, hats off to Coach Elton and his squad for what they've been able to do in a quick period of time. Big win over Nebraska, 45-42. to uh, that was that was a huge one there. Um, you battled up a bunch of, against a bunch of other teams, so I don't see many many blowouts here um, uh, along the way. You lost to Georgia State forty one thirty three. You lost to Coastal by four thirty four to thirty. So it, it looks like they hang around. They lost to South Alabama thirty eight thirty one. So it seems to me teams have to score to be able to to beat Georgia Southern because Georgia Southern's going to put points on the board. Yeah, the defense has been has been the troublesome spot this year. Um, they've had a little bit more trouble adjusting to the new defensive schemes uh, brought in, and uh, you know I think that's an area that's going to have to be addressed in the off season because the offense has been able to put up enough points. As you mentioned, they lead the Sun Belt in scoring. They put up enough points every week to win, um, and in every game they've played this year, they've been within a touchdown. Uh, or leading in the fourth quarter, I guess Louisiana can relate to this one. You know, they had a 14-point lead um, in the game this past week, gave up a touchdown late in the third, then got outscored 14 nothing in the fourth to lose that game to South Alabama, which it looked like, mm. you know, they were leading fairly comfortably, uh, were moving the ball, were stopping them enough, and then South Alabama went to the ground and, LaDainian Webb rushed for 247 yards, and Georgia Southern just couldn't stop him on the ground and uh, you weren't, weren't able to score at the end of the game. A very important game as we continue with Josh Aubrey of the Statesboro Herald. Um, both teams, look, games, this season's coming to a close. I mean, it's going rapidly. Uh, yep. Georgia Southern needs one win to get bowl eligible. The Raging Cajuns need two wins to get bowl eligible. So it's so it's a critical, critical ball game. Um, where is this defense? Where is its weak point? You mentioned stopping the run. Is that it? Or how is the secondary doing? Yeah, the secondary's actually done pretty well. They haven't really been giving up much against the pass. Um, and when I look at Louisiana, they tend to throw more than they run. Their run game seems to be their weakness, maybe. Mm-hmm. So I would think that Georgia Southern might have an edge in that as far as the uh, the game coming up. 
but their their pass defense has been pretty has done a pretty good job. The run has just been where where they've really struggled. I mean, they they put a lot of pressure. They had four sacks. They caused three turnovers in the game last Saturday. But when South Alabama started running the ball, that's when Georgia Southern uh, started struggling. Yeah, guy, and UL used to be known for running the football. Um, I think they'll try and get back to that. If that's the weak point, that's what you got to. That's what you have to do. What's the um, What's everybody's thoughts about Clay Helton and how? Look, it's it's hard. No, this is no knock on Georgia Southern, but Georgia Southern's not USC. Uh, so it's a, yeah. it, I'm sure it took an adjustment for him. How has he adjusted? I think he's adjusted really well. You know, he's from Gainesville. I, I think a lot of people think because he was at USC for, I believe, right at 10 years, that that's kind of where he's from. But his dad, you know, coached in the South most of his life. He went to Houston. Um, he's got a lot of family that are in the nearby area. Uh, so I think he is appreciating the small town a little bit more than he might have thought. He said, you know, his commute to work is uh, one or two country songs uh, and, you know, as opposed to 45 minutes to an hour to get uh, around town in L.A. and try to get to, to the practice facility in, uh, at USC. So I think that part, he, he's been embraced by the community. You know, if you win here, or, or, you know, especially after what's happened here the past few years, you show progress, you're putting points on the board. Georgia Southern is a place that uh, that will will love you when you're winning and, and may, uh, may be on you a little bit more when you're, when you're not. I'm with you. I understand completely. Uh, last road game of the season, you close out with two in Statesboro, Marshall on November 19th, and then App State on Senior Day and the Blue Outs um, on November 26th. So um, three, three very tough games to close out the season. Well, nobody in the Sun Belt's easy to play. You know how that yep. is. I mean, it's it's a it's the uh, Group of Five version of the SEC, in my opinion. I mean, you've got okay. teams that are just beating each other up, and and you never know week to week. I mean, Marshall they 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 shut out, then they get shut out. You know, and, and right. you know these teams that are coming in. Uh, Southern Miss has played well, beat beat Louisiana. Um, you know, Old Dominion and James Madison. James Madison was ranked before Georgia Southern beat them a few weeks back at home. Um, you know, this game is huge. If they can get bowl eligible, which means winning one of the next three, which I, I think they'll be able to do, I know that they'd probably rather, you know, win seven or eight games. Uh, but, but to win six, I think considering – all the newness and what they've done and didn't really go too hard in the transfer portal. As you Uh think, I think a lot of people uh, making a bowl this year was beyond what a lot of people thought here. And these people here think pretty highly of Georgia Southern. So if they can win one of these three, I don't know how good app is. They have struggled a little bit. Marshall, like I said, it's been up and down And, and Louisiana, you know, they have to win, Two, I guess, of their last three yep. in order to be bowl eligible. So That's correct. you got two teams going in this game Thursday in desperate need of a win, both coming off games they probably thought they should have won. So I, I expect it to be a battle. 
Look, uh, Vegas has the Cajuns three and a half point favorites. That tells me that, that this thing's a pick 'em because they always give the home yep. team three points. So they think it's going to be pretty close. I do too as well. Uh, we'll see. Again, Cajuns better have their offense on because you got to score to keep up. And that's not always an easy thing to do. But Josh Aubrey of the Statesboro Herald. I can't thank you enough, man. Uh, I, always. You, you always bring right. it, and I greatly appreciate it, buddy. You take care. All right. Thank you. Take care to you, too. We'll see you soon. All right, buddy. You take care. Josh Aubrey of the Statesboro Herald. Have you ever thought about airing TV or radio commercials? Then today is an opportunity for you as Delta Media is having a one-day sale event, which is designed for local mom-and-pop business owners to buy advertising at a discounted rate. This isn't for, this isn't for the Walmarts of the world. This is for local business owners. You can get 30 second spots for both radio and TV. It's affordable advertising, but you got to book it today and today only to get the discounted rate. So call Delta Media Sales Director Jeanette Cochran today at 337-896-2692. That's 337-896-2692 to take advantage of our Delta Media one day sale. Hump day with Huguenin when we return to the Jordy Helpert Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, your home for the LSU Tigers in Southwest Louisiana. Uh oh. Do you know what day it is? Huh? Anybody? It's time for Jordy to break down the biggest storylines in college athletics with Mike Huguenin of On3.com. Mike, 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 Mike. What day is it, Mike? Here is Hump Day with Huguenin. On the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Hello, Michael Huguenin. It's another day as this college football season is rapidly coming to a close with a lot of intrigue. We've got the the rankings um, from the college football playoff committee. And let's dive into that. First off, how are you doing, buddy? Well, we got another hurricane coming. So, Oh, I saw that. Uh, yeah. I know people in Louisiana uh, are used to that, but this is, this will be the second in a month and oh. it's almost Thanksgiving and the season's almost over. So, you know, what, crazy. what's a hurricane doing in, it's in November? Level. But yeah, I think the, Rankings that came out last night were exceedingly interesting. I think last week one of the major talking points was, oh, my goodness, look at TCU there at number seven. They're going to have a tough time getting to the top if everything goes as planned. And then one week later, boom, they're at number four and facing a monster game Saturday in Austin against Texas. But, um, you know, I don't think no no one's surprised by Georgia at the top considering the way they handled Tennessee. Um, Ohio State played – Frankly, miserable football last week in bad conditions, but bad still the second. Michigan scuffled for a half, but it's number three. Uh, and Tennessee's still in the hunt, no question, at five. And yeah. given what LSU did last week, um, they're certainly in the picture as well. All right, let, let's talk a little bit. Uh, Georgia really put the beating on Tennessee. Tell me if you think I'm nuts here. If I'm the Big Ten commissioner, and, and I want to get two teams in this playoff. I, I sit down with the presidents of Ohio State and Michigan and say, look, dudes, we can't play this game at the end of the year. Look at Oregon. They lost the opener to Georgia, and they're still in the – they still got a shot if certain things happen. Whoever loses between Ohio State and Michigan, they're done. They I have don't no think time so. to build up their uh, resume. I think, 
it depends on, you know, do you think TCU is going unbeaten? Do you no. think the Pac-12 champs only going to have one loss? Um, and I still think, depending on how Michigan and Ohio State look the next two weeks and then how they look in, the, in, in their regular season finale, that they, they could, the, the loser is still going to be in the hunt, um, just like I think Tennessee is going to be in the hunt. Assuming they don't great lose the rest of the way. So I think that the loser of Ohio State-Michigan, even though, just like Tennessee, it won't win its division, has a shot at making the playoff. Um, shout out Tulane number 17. What a big matchup this weekend. Tulane hosting UCF, the Gus Malzons of the world, at number 22. What? That's a huge group of five yeah. games. Uh, one of our coordinator to watch matchups as well. Malzahn obviously calls his own plays. Chris Hampton's done a, a really good job with Tulane's defense. It was not a very good unit last year. Um, it is exceedingly good this year. Opposing opposing offense is only hitting 32% on third down. Tulane's only allowed four rushing touchdowns all season. They're keeping opponents under four yards a carry. And UCF lives to run the ball. So this is a gigantic game. Obviously, Tulane's biggest game since 1998 when, when they finished yeah. unbeaten. Um, yeah. yeah, this is going to be – it's a 3.30 game uh, on ESPN2. Uh, it, it's, to me, one of the five or six biggest games of the weekend, unquestionably. No doubt. Uh, and Tulane's a great story. I and mean, Willie Fritz has done a great job. Yeah. Michael Pratt's a-, a Florida kid at quarterback. Um, you know, John Rice Plumley, the old Ole Miss quarterback, is healthy supposedly, but man, Mikey Keene, his backup, played last week, and Keene's a vastly superior passer. Though right. everybody knows Malzahn loves to run the ball, and Keene's not a runner. So, a ton of intrigue, a ton of storylines, and yeah, I think even if you're an LSU fan or a La Tech fan or a Raging Cajun fan, it's sort of cool to see Tulane yes. playing a nationally yes. important game yes um uh we'll, we'll talk about the, the big games this weekend coming up down a little bit later uh with mike huguenin from on3.com here let's let's throw some hypotheticals out there okay let's just say that lsu at number seven with a loss opening day loss to florida state and got blown out by tennessee in their own building let's say they run the table and let's say they get to the sec championship game and let's say for some let's just hypothetically say they beat Georgia. They're in. Okay. So, so they're the, you think they would take LSU yeah. as the SEC champion over a one loss Tennessee or would Tennessee be in the two? Cause what do you do with Georgia? Who's, well, so I think Georgia, you're not get I think three in that SEC situation you'd have there. Georgia and LSU from the SEC and the other two teams, the Michigan, Ohio state winner presumably goes ahead and wins the, the big 10 title. Um, if, the, the the fourth what, team, you know, is in an unbeaten uh, unbeaten TCU. I don't think TCU finishes unbeaten. Okay, is it a one loss Pac twelve team? I'm not convinced the Pac twelve winner is only so, going to have one loss. Will it be the Michigan Ohio State um, loser? I think Tennessee's only hope is that Georgia runs the table and um, beats whoever it is in the SEC championship game. If because if Georgia loses in the SEC championship game, I think Georgia's going and whoever beats him is going. I believe, I believe, I believe that if TCU loses, the loser of the Ohio State Michigan game, those two, I think they'd be out. And 
God forbid, the SEC could get three teams See, in I don't, it. I don't, I don't think that will happen. I think the – it could. I just think there's a uh, minuscule chance. I think it all depends on what happens in the Michigan-Ohio State game. And, again, the Pac-12 – because Oregon is six this week, because USC is in the top ten, um, you, I think UCLA is tenth, aren't they? Yes. No, UCLA no, is twelfth. Uh, they, 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 they have a shot as well because they got USC next weekend. So UC- there's a lot of moving parts. I think the chance of the SEC getting three is only about five percent. But I will say this: if the SEC does get three, the next day they're going to be announcement. Okay, starting in 2023, the playoff has 12 teams. So let's get them all in there so we can get this thing done quicker. I think it's, I really think it's a bigger percent. I know those people in the room are going to say, we can't do this. Right. But theoretically, you really could. Well, I also think that if it's two Big, tw- uh, two big Ten and two SEC, there's going to be a, we've we got to get to 12 teams yes. now because yes. that's going to tick off a lot of people as well because you're only yes. going to have two conferences in that scenario in the playoff as well. And both of them will have one loss. So uh, I think there's a lot. This is going to be extremely interesting to see how this plays out, obviously. But I think this also could be a major impetus to getting the playoff expanded quicker than a lot of folks think. I'm with you. Were you surprised in the least at how dominating Notre Dame took care of Clemson? Yeah, because I, I, I did not think Notre Dame's offense was that good. Um, you know, Clemson's offense is is mediocre. So I thought, okay, Clemson might score 20 points. Uh, Notre Dame's not going to score that many because Clemson's going to be way too physical for them. But Notre Dame beat them up on both sides of the ball. Um, you know, Davos Sweeney said it was a butt-kicking, though he used a different word, and he's right. I don't think anybody could have seen the way Notre Dame's offensive line manhandled Clemson's defensive front six slash seven. I mean, they buried them. Um, and you know, DJ Uyunglele, um, he, he's not good enough to play in the NFL. And I think he's going to transfer next year because he's he's. I think he has yeah, shown he is not yeah. a quarterback who can get Clemson to the tight yeah, to right. the playoff. And that's what Clemson's all about now. If it's not a playoff, heck, last year they didn't even win the ACC. So there's a lot of questions about Clemson uh, offensively, and I think Uyunglele is the biggest problem. Mike Huguenin on 3.com. Everybody's talking about Georgia, Tennessee, and we'll talk about that. Everybody's talking about LSU, Alabama. We'll talk about that. But how much fun do you think they met for the last time in the AAC? How about SMU 77, Houston 63? My yeah, I was goodness. I was uh, getting texts from a friend of mine watching that game, and he goes, "They just scored again. They just scored again. Literally, like every two minutes, another text. Yes. Um, you feel bad for the defensive coordinators in that game, um, <laughs> but the offensive coordinators, the the play callers, um, obviously were were love and life. If, and if you're Rhett Lashley and Dana Holgerson, you're like, "Yep, my offense works. Uh, I got to do something about my defense." But I, I think, yeah, SMU was a school that thought it had a legit chance to get into the Big 12 and obviously was bypassed. And you're right. I think I don't know if these teams are going to play anymore, which would be too bad in a way because they, they have played for a long time as former Southwest Conference uh, rivals and obviously now in the AAC together. But, yeah, SMU made sure that Houston will remember them. 
Uh, <laughs> Tanner Mordecai accounted for 10 touchdowns. Amazing. Nine touchdown passes. Um, just an epically good performance by both quarterbacks. Yeah, I mean, can you imagine throwing seven TD passes, leading your team to 63 points, and you lose by 14? That's what happened to Houston's Clayton Tim. <laughs> Houston had 710 yards and 34 first downs. Okay, um, enough of that craziness. Uh, Georgia sent a message? Yes. I was not surprised Georgia won, but I thought it would be, you know, I think the spread was eight. I was like, I'd take eight points all day if I bet. I was thinking it'd be a 38-35, 42-38 kind of game. Um, they manhandled ten- Tennessee's offensive line. And that was the one, you know, Georgia going, Georgia coming in at 10 sacks. And you're like, you know, they, they're not, and, and they lost their best pass rusher last week, Nolan Smith. So you're thinking, man, it's going to be really, what is Glenn Schumann going to have to do to put some pressure on Hooker? He ain't going to sack him, but he's got to make him uncomfortable in the pocket. Well, they made him exceedingly uncomfortable, sacked him six times, took away the deep ball, um, you know, they, they lined up Hyatt and Cedric Tillman on the same side. Georgia was not phased. Um, yeah, you know, Georgia, Georgia's secondary, which had some concerns, um, yeah, shut down, shut it, shut down Tennessee's passing game. A Tennessee passing game that shredded LSU, shredded Alabama, shredded everybody. And then Georgia says, well, you ain't shredding us. And they didn't. Mike, you get an on3.com message sent. Um, the job Brian Kelly's done oh. with LSU, the job that Jaden Daniels has done. They got four freshmen that are playing and playing really good football. Um, your thoughts on LSU? Yeah, you know, I, I, I said on your show all season long, I like Jaden Daniels. Don't yes. hold last year against him because it was a tire fire program. The program was in turmoil. Um, and early on this season, the offensive line was a mess. And Jaden Daniels felt that I have to run because if I don't, I'm going to get sacked. I think now he picks his spots a little bit better. I think he trusts his offensive line more, which is pretty amazing considering there's two true freshman tackles. The receivers have grown into their roles. I think Daniels has become more comfortable with Mike Denbrock and vice versa. And I've also said all along, Brian Kelly – you know, maybe you don't like Notre Dame, and maybe you don't like Brian Kelly because of his Notre Dame ties. But Brian Kelly is an excellent coach. Yeah. And I think if you had told LSU fans before the season, you're going to lose to FSU in the opener, you're going to get blown out by Tennessee, but by God, Brian Kelly's going to beat Nick Saban, people would have sent you to a hospital. But that's what happened. Um, he believes in these guys. I think his guys believe in him. It's a really good coaching staff, and, yeah, Jaden Daniels outplayed Bryce Young. How about going for two like that? Every, Gigantic. You know, when, um, it, when it works, it's the greatest right. thing ever. But even, right? if, but even, even if, it if it didn't, it didn't you know, work. As Bill Raffrey would say, onions. Onions. Um, he, and I think, you know, if you're a player, you feed off your coach's confidence. Yes. And if your coach is like, we're going for two, you're like, Yes. Heck yeah, but you're not saying yes. heck, you're saying far more yes. expressive words because you're psyched, really good play call, you know, not, nothing special, a rub route, and it worked. So, um, but yeah, LSU's, LSU's defense played well. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I think that game showed Alabama's wide receivers are not to be feared, and that's, that's right. the most 
I'll, the biggest takeaway for me this season, forget the surprising Oregon season. Forget the surprising Tennessee season. Forget right. the fact that Oklahoma has lost three games and that TCU is unbeaten. The biggest surprise to me is that all these talented Alabama receivers, that's just a bunch of guys, and that's stunning to me. Yeah. Um, yeah. The LSU secondary held its own. Um, the LSU defensive front did a nice job. And, you know, if you're an LSU fan, you're thinking, what if we had had Mason Smith all season? Ooh. Yeah. And again, here's, LSU the, here's can the thing still to me, Mike. Go to the playoff. Here's my thing: those two freshman tackles. I mean, Bama got some pretty good players that, yes. that are coming from the outside rushing. And the good thing were they perfect? No, but they did a really good job. And when they couldn't, that son of a gun Daniels can figure out a way to get yes. out of it and make something positive. So. He's a smooth gliding runner with a burst. Yes. Um, plus, Mason Taylor, a true freshman. Um, you what got three dudes who played at an extremely high level who last year at this time were getting yeah. ready for high school playoffs in their respective states. That's right. All right, Mike Hugan and On3.com will take a quick time out here. We'll talk, he already said Tulane UCF is one of the top five games of the week. We'll go over Mike's top five. Is LSU Arkansas one of those? We'll see uh, as we continue here on the Jordy Helpert Show. Alexa and the game make a great team. Do yourself a favor and enable the Alexa skill, the game Southwest Louisiana, so you can keep it locked in to the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, wherever you go. All right, we continue here with uh, my good friend. We've been doing it a long time together. He's the best. Mike Huguenin on 3.com. We talked about what was. We talked about the playoffs. Let's talk about this coming weekend. We touched on it briefly. Um, I think you mentioned one of the best games of the week. It's Tulane versus Central Florida. Uh, It's a 2.30 Central time kickoff on ESPN2. Tulane's got a really good defense. What do you think? Yeah, I think Tulane's defense is the key. UCF wants to run the ball. Um, but, again, I think it'll be interesting to see if Malzahn goes with John Rice Plumley, who missed last week's game, uh, the quarterback. Because the, the, the backup quarterback, Mikey Keene, a vastly superior passer. And I'm not sure. Um, Tulane's run defense is really good. Yes. Um, and I think playing Keene gives them a legitimate they, – they throw the ball m- much better with Keene in the game. So it'll be interesting to see how uh, Malzahn deploys – his quarterbacks. Maybe he plays them both. I think Tulane's going to have problems scoring on UCF. I think it's going to be a low-scoring game. Uh, I think UCF wins. Ooh, ooh, an upset at Yulman Stadium in New Orleans. Okay, um, nobody's talking much about this guy as a Heisman Trophy candidate, but Drake May at North yeah. Carolina is putting up great, great. Now, why is nobody? And they've only lost one game. Why is nobody pumping this guy up? You're right. I mean, the idea, you know, last year Sam Howell was a gigantic Heisman guy going into the season, and he, had, he and North Carolina both fell flat on their face. May leads the nation in total offense for a team that's in the top, I think, it's, I think they're 15th in the college football playoff rankings. They're going to win their division in the ACC. They're 8-1. And you're right, he's not getting enough Heisman love. He's actually second on my Heisman list right now. I am a okay. voter. I'm extremely impressed by this guy. Six foot five, gigantic arm, and a really good runner. 
He's also yeah. a willing runner. So yeah. um, they have an interesting game against Wake Forest, which has sort of fallen apart here lately. Um, the, the most interesting aspect of this, they, in the past two years, the losing team in both games in this rivalry has scored at least 53 points. Amazing. Losing. And they losing put up 2,500 yeah. yards combined in the last two games wow. between these two teams the last two seasons. So I, I think it's going to be more of the same. I think Hartman's going to have a gigantic day for Wake. I think May's going to have a gigantic day for North Carolina. And this could be a game that lasts four hours and 15 minutes. <laughs> Do you believe everybody's saying that the dynasty is over, that Georgia is the team? If Nick Saban fulfills his contract, do you believe Alabama wins another national championship with him? Yeah, I think they do. I mean, you know, the overreaction with Alabama is is phenomenal, I think. And, you know, I think if Jamison Williams plays the whole game last year in the national title game, that that Alabama would have won last year. When Jamison Williams went out, we got a we got a unfortunately no one people paid attention, but we got a preview of what their passing attack was going to be like this year. You're exactly um, right. So you know they're always going to have big time recruits. Um, it, it's not like they've been blown out of the water. They could have won both games they lost. The defensive breakdowns are, are the thing that surprised me, and the extremely spotty play in the secondary. You know, I know, I'm sure LSU fans were like, oh, my God, Eli Ricks is leaving when he left last year. Big deal. The guy started two games. He has not played all that well. Um, DeMarco Hellams got abused a couple times last week. Um, And and Will Anderson, I think, it's it's obvious that he is the focal point of opposing offensive linemen and chip blocks from tight ends and everybody. He's struggling to be a big-time you know, tackle for loss guy, but Alabama's not going anywhere as long as Saban's there. Uh, Anderson's going to be like a North Carolina basketball player. He's going to be a much better pro than he is a college player because of what you just said. I mean, everybody's gearing their offense to eliminate him from the scene. Are you fa- are you surprised that Bama's an 11.5-point favorite on the road yes. against Ole yes, Miss? Yes, but I think that's, you know, Ole Miss, if no one's afraid of Ole Miss's passing attack. It's it's not very good. That's another yeah. team whose receivers, you know, Lane Kiffin, great recruiter, dude, recruits some wide receivers, man. So, yeah. um, and I'm being facetious, he's not a great recruiter. So, to me, <laughs> if Alabama finds a way, I'll be honest, if Alabama holds Ole Miss under 200 yards rushing, Alabama's going to win. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Um, yeah, I don't, the demise of that, look, Alabama lost, Overtime on the road to Tennessee. By Should have won point. that one. And they lost in overtime to LSU. Oh, on LSU the road. by one and Tennessee by three. You're right. They yeah, lost two not, games I mean, by on. four points. And it's like, come oh, my on. God, Nick Saban's getting out coached every week. His offense yeah. is horrible. His defense is horrible, though. You wonder about Pete Golding. But you're right. They're, 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 they're not going anywhere. No, no. All right. Here's one that baffles my mind here. Okay. TCU is 9 and 0. Texas is six and three. TCU has that number four next to their name in the college football playoff poll. Texas is what? 16 or 17, whatever they are. Texas is a seven point favorite at home. What, what's going on here? What, what do these odds makers know that I don't know? I think they know that Alabama's 
just like Alabama is an 11.5-point favorite, the, the general public thinks highly of Alabama and for some reason still thinks highly of Texas. So this Texas team is playing pretty good football. Um, TCU, though, is sort of like – I don't know if people have watched – they have a really good offense. They're the only hey, team in Duggan that league averaging more than 500 yards a game. They have Duggan an NFL guy, a wide receiver, and Quentin Johnston. They have one of the – I would argue the nation's most underrated running back, Kendra Miller. Uh, Max Duggan's playing really, really high-level football as TCU's quarterback. That's a really good offense. And the play caller is Garrett Riley. That's Lincoln's brother. Um, Defensively, they're not much. Um, But, you know, I don't think that highly of Texas' defense either. So um, I think this is going to be a uh, high-scoring game. I think one thing TCU has going for it, they seemingly fall behind every week. They don't get phased. But as everybody knows, Texas frequently spits the bit when mm-hmm. they're the focal point of attention. And they're mm-hmm. starting to get more attention now because, mm-hmm. you know, B. John Robbins is the Heisman guy. They got Xavier Worthy. They got Quinn Ewers. It's Texas. And Sark's got the offense going. But, you know, they messed around last week, almost lost to Kansas State. TCU's better. TCU's offense is vastly more explosive more explosive than than Kansas State's. So I would take points all day in this game. Okay, Mike Huguenin on 3.com. LSU is going on the road to Arkansas. LSU's a three-point favorite in this one. Much like May from North Carolina, shouldn't Daniels from LSU be getting a a mention about a Heisman Trophy candidate? Just a mention. He's not I think win it, but... if he keeps playing that well, yeah, he's going to be he's going to get more and more mentioned on a weekly basis. And heck, if they win the SEC championship game, he'll be a Heisman finalist. Um, yeah. Arkansas, Arkansas coming off a loss to Liberty, they yeah. fell behind big, and they did not look all that good. They looked tired and beaten down, especially defensively. Liberty jumped on them early. Um, Liberty ran the ball effectively, um, and then Liberty was using his third string quarterback. Now, that kid's played a couple games because the first two have been injured for a while. But um, I think the biggest issue in this game is LSU's self-confidence. Are they a little bit too full of themselves? Because Arkansas is an SEC team. It's not a horrible SEC team. So, you know, know, Brian Kelly's been around a lot. Um, He needs to make sure his guys stay somewhat level-headed. To me, the only team that can beat LSU in this game is LSU. Um, yeah. The three points sounds about right, though, because I think there is going to be a little bit of a letdown emotionally yep. after last be. week's monster win. But if LSU plays like it should play, yeah, I think this is a 27-21, 27-23, 27-24 kind of win. I okay. think that LSU wins, though I think, they, I think they might scuffle for a while just because last week's win was so big. Uh, they just got that quarterback that gives you a chance in every game. I, yep. I can't say it enough. I really do. Okay, those are some of the games. Is there another one? How about Oregon versus Washington? Yeah. Huge game. Huge game. Um, Oregon number six in the CFP yep. rankings. Uh, Big-time quarterback matchup, Bo Nix and Michael Penix. Bo Nix, a legit Heisman guy. He is on fire Yes. Completing seventy-seven, at least seventy-seven percent of his passes in each of the last four games, um, his progress as a passer is mind-blowing. 
Um, and Michael Penix, though, Indiana transfer playing for Washington, leads the nation in passing. Um, earlier this year, there was a show- showdown, UCLA and Oregon. Oregon blew UCLA's doors off. Sure Let's did. see what happens in this one. It's in Eugene. That is a wild crowd. But Oregon secondary has shown some susceptibility. And my assumption is Washington basically says, forget the run. We're throwing the ball 50 times. And if Penix gets protection, if they keep him upright, the dude's going to throw for 400 yards. Wow. Bo Nix has been remarkable. I agree. And, and yeah, yeah, Dan it's Lanning? a good story because that dude was took a lot of grief. And I'll, yep. I'll admit, I was one of the ones like, this guy can't play. But right. he, the, the coaching staff has worked wonders with him at Oregon. Dan Lanning should get some consideration. I mean, he's a rookie co- head coach as coach of the year. Yeah, and you figure they lost their first game. They were embarrassed. You know, like, oh, my God, how does a first-time head coach – Make sure things don't fall apart. Well, it helped that they played an FCS school in week two and scored seventy-seven points. Right, but right. I mean their 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 offense is incredible um, because Bo Nix again, the dude is on fire. He scored six. He was he counted for six touchdowns last week, including a TD reception. Yep, <laughs> he's the Taysom Hill of uh, college yes. football. Yes. I mean, he's built like Taysom Hill too. He's a big, strong dude. And you, again, you got to. I mean, he took a ton of grief. Uh, I, I think it actually hurt him being the Auburn legacy. You know, Patrick Nix's kid. Right, Why can't right, you be right. as good as your dad? Well, he gets out of mm-hmm. gets out of the Auburn swamp Speak, and yeah. is playing phenomenal football. Um, speaking of Auburn, they've got Texas. I love to pile on Texas A and M. Auburn's at home. Do they beat Texas A and M? I, you know. I think Connor Wigman. I think if if A and M had Connor Wigman last week, they maybe they beat Florida because Haynes King ain't it. Um, it that's going to be an interesting game. And you're right. I mean, A and M is the nation's biggest disappointment. Um, their quarterback play continues to be. I don't even know the word. <laughs> Just, Just I'm not. not even, it's not. It's not even competent quarterback play. Yes. And given yes. that. Jimbo Fisher is the supposed quarterback whisperer. I think those days are long gone, and you wonder if there's going to how much pressure there's going to be on Jimbo. It's time for you to hire an offensive coordinator, or if nothing else, bring in a quarterback coach who is more well versed in today's offenses than you are. And I, you know, think back to that Aaron Murray quote from earlier this year. The former Georgia quarterback is an ESPN analyst. He's like, you can put tape of FSU on from 2013 and tape of Texas A&M on from this year and a lot of the same tenants in their offense, and that should not be the case anymore. No, that should not be the case. Any any behind-the-scenes uh, word on who Auburn's uh, trying to get as their coach? You know, I, I, you continue to hear, you know, everybody brings up Hugh Freeze. I cannot see John Cohen hiring Hugh Freeze. Um, John Cohen was the AD at Mississippi State. There was a ton of right. bad blood between those two schools when the NCAA did its investigation. Yeah. I don't think that John Cohen is going to hire Hugh Freeze. You know, forget all the Hugh Freeze baggage off the field and on. I don't think that John Cohen likes Hugh Freeze. I don't think he's hiring him. Um, you keep hearing Lane Kiffin. Um, that's a possibility, I guess. Um, you know, you and I have talked about this for years. The incredible amount of dysfunction 
in the Auburn Athletic Department yeah. among its boosters. Yes. It's yes. it's not the easiest job. They are going to pay you a lot of money, and they have a lot of NIL money. But I think you, whoever's hired is going to go in knowing that there's a faction of the fan base that thinks that was a horrible hire. And that's a sobering thought, I think. It really is. Mike Huguenin, uh, week 11 of the college. Yeah, that's sad, isn't it? Depressing. It's really amazing. But a lot of things still up in the air. I, I, man, that 12-game playoff, 12-team uh, playoff, sure sounds good. It would be fun this year. This year, For yeah. sure. But uh, we, we'll have to wait and see. But thank you, as always, buddy. We'll talk to you next week. All right. And watch hoops tonight, man. Watch some hoops. Yes, it's here. We'll, we'll get to that. Mike okay, Huguenin, cool. All, all right. Talk next week, man. Thanks. All right. Tune in next week to the Jordy Holberg Show for Hump Day with Huguenin. Here on the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Here's three pieces of advice to live by. Never play cards with a guy whose last name is a state. Don't spit into the wind. And always listen to the Jordy Holberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Uh, we are back, finishing touches here. The University of New Orleans tried to tried to start up a college football program. Well, that bid falls short after students overwhelmingly voted down an increase in student fees by a margin of 1,468 against, 633 in favor of the referendum. So no um, no football for UNO. And tough break for Coastal Carolina. Their quarterback, Grayson McCall, is officially out three to six weeks. Uh, that's some huge Sun Belt news. So special thanks to our guest today, John Brady. LSU basketball gets the Matt McMahon era underway tonight against uh, UMKC, they are the Ruse, James Mesh tells me. Um, ruse, short for the Kangaroos. I hope they don't jump like Kangaroos. That would not be good for LSU. Mike Scarborough of TigerBait.com. John Arbery gave us a preview of Georgia Southern and the, the Eagles as they take on the Raging Cajuns tomorrow. And then all things college football. And there's a lot to talk about with Mike Huguenin from On3.com. Come uh, tomorrow. We'll uh, recap LSU hoops. We'll recap the Pels. They need to get a win tonight on the road against the Chicago Bulls because um, they just uh, they don't want to go zero and three on the road. That's not a good. That's not a good deal, right? You gotta you gotta win at least one game on the road. It's getaway game. Uh, we'll see if uh, they can get it done today. So. Um, that and much, much more coming your way. It was fun reliving the uh, Bluegrass Miracle 20 years ago today. So if today is your birthday, happy birthday from all of us to all of you. Hope you have a great one. You share yours with former LSU pitcher Chad Oje, former LSU offensive lineman Rudy Niswanger. All right. So. James Mesh, thank you. Thanks to all of you for listening, and thanks to our partners that make it possible. Until tomorrow, I am Jordy Helpberg. Stay thirsty, stay kind, stay healthy, be happy. So long.